right, so we are going to be in the book of John, the Gospel of John, and near the end. So just like the one paragraph before chapter 21, so that's um, chapter 30. And um, we're going to just look a little bit more into believing and what it means to believe versus like having life in the name of Jesus. So uh, if, if you're in the large books, large Bibles, this is page 907. And if it's in the smaller one, see which one it is. If anyone has the skinnier Bibles, I think it is page 853. Yeah, page 853 in the, the newer Bibles. Does everybody have a Bible, by the way, that wants one? Because we have some extra ones. Okay. So Jesus, we just invite you to open our eyes to see you today and not just see and believe, but actually act on that. We want to have life in your name. So it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Verse 30 says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what happened before that was that Jesus had been crucified and he was in the tomb three days, then he was resurrected, he was raised, and then he started appearing, you know, first to Mary Magdalene and then three more times to the disciples. And each time he appeared, um, he, I think he was interested in like really getting them to uh, not just believe in their heads, but actually believe in their hearts and have a life in Jesus, not just survive, but, but thrive, you know, thrive in a way that, that you know, was like exciting. So verse 21, or excuse me, chapter 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is Galilee, just another, I mean, the lake. Uh, sea of Galilee? The Sea of Galilee, yeah. Not just the region, but the Sea of Galilee, which is, so sometimes it's called Tiberias, and I think there's another name too. But anyway, so it says he revealed himself to the disciples in this way. So Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of Jesus' disciples were together. So there's the setting, right? And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. Cool. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Does this remind you of anything? The beginning. It's kind of like full circle back to the beginning. We did we did a little Bible study on this. I don't know how many were um, a couple weeks ago on Friday. We we kind of looked at this and did a little work. You know, we workshopped it together. But there's so much, so so much more that we can get out of it every time we study it. So um, thanks to everyone at that Bible study, we came up with a lot of of cool things. So they're in the boat. They caught nothing. 
so yeah, it reminds us of the beginning when Jesus first called the disciples. They were, it was kind of early in the morning. They were mending their nets. They didn't catch anything and hoping no one would notice. And Jesus says, hey, follow me, right? So here again, as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you don't have any fish, do you? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said, therefore, to Peter, it is the Lord. Since Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Oh, what a cool scene, huh? Jesus on the shore. He sees them. They see him, but they don't know that it's Jesus. But he knows it's the disciples, of course. And he has a barbecue going, you know, charcoal grill. And he has what? What's on the grill again? <coughs> Toast and fish, right? For breakfast, yum. Probably bread, yeah. Bread that's toasting over the fire. I mean, by that time, it would be toast, would they? With real butter. With real butter, <laughs> hopefully. And so it says, so Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Man, I'd be so excited. Wouldn't you love to come have breakfast with Jesus? Yeah. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. What does that remind you of? Bread, fish, ring a bell. Crowd. Somehow there's some multiplication going on. It's like Jesus is sort of doing some things that are going to get them to recognize him in a deeper way right? Yes. Not just that, oh, that's Jesus who died, but maybe the Jesus of, you know, miracles of making life, not just survival, but, you know, full, thriving. Now, this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, what we have here is just normal life. So, Jesus had called the disciples or sent them out rather he sent them out um, to go into all the world and preach the good news and to heal the sick to raise the dead and um, you know cast out demons and tell them the kingdom of God had come near that was like the assignment when he you know right before he died right he gave him that assignment he said don't worry I'm going to be with you I'm sending the Holy Spirit and um, so now he's risen and they're like wow he's showing up like a few times like four times first to just one person a woman and then three more times to all the disciples and the thing that keeps coming up is that they see him but they're not really 
they're not sure, like Thomas is like, well, I'll actually believe it if I can see the scar, put my hand in it. And Jesus says, well, here, go ahead. And then Thomas is like, oh, it is you. And Jesus says, well, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. And that would be us because we have to take people's word who have seen Jesus. And a couple other times when Jesus came again and showed up, not all the disciples had been there. So they kind of had to take the word from the other people and believe that. And I think that's what Jesus wants is he wants us to be able to believe without just seeing, right? So seeing and believing and having life, like there's kind of steps. Like, like for example, they could see Jesus, but they didn't see him. Mary could see Jesus, but she thought he was a gardener. Thomas could see Jesus, but not think he was necessarily for sure Jesus, unless he actually could physically touch his hands, you know? And some of the disciples were scared when he showed up and, you know, it's like, well, I'll, you know, it's me, don't be afraid. I'll, I'll, I'm going to meet you in Jerusalem, you know, wait for me there and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. So they're still in a process, just like we are. We're in a process of actual belief, you know? And um, so what's interesting is that it says the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When, when Jesus said, cast your nets to the other side, it's like, it's like, remember when he told them to put out deeper into the, into the lake with their boat, you know, in, for a catch. Remember that had happened prior in another, in another story earlier. Sort of a similar thing, like they have to trust a little bit that why would they do that? This is some stranger saying, put, you know, cast on the other side and he calls them children. He doesn't say, hey, you, my disciples and say my name. He says, hey, children. And, they're, and then when they catch all the fish, you know, uh, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved said it's the Lord. And we don't know who that is totally. Um, we could think that maybe it's the person who wrote the book of John, like John himself not John the Baptist, but the one who wrote the book of John. But also it can be a placeholder, if you know what I mean by that. It's kind of like it's a, an opening to any, like any of us. So the disciple whom Jesus loved, not that he has preferences like, oh, I love that one more than others, but more like when you, when you love, you know, the one that Jesus loves and loves Jesus, that's kind of like so-called the ideal disciple in the sense any of us could be that. Some days we're that and some days we're not. Maybe where we actually recognize Jesus as Lord, you know? And um, so when he said earlier, he said, oh, you didn't catch anything, did you? Well, what do you make about of that? They are fishing and they catch nothing. And so what's the difference between them just out fishing and then Jesus helping them? Like. We none of us fish. So what what could what could that be? What could that look like today when we're just going about our normal life, our normal work life, and we're not doing very well? We're not being very fruitful. We didn't catch anything. We're just kind of sort of surviving, maybe not even surviving. I think if you're a fisherman and you didn't catch fish, that's not even that's not good at all, right? You don't have money for that day. But what what could it look like for us? It looks like there's not um doing um like the, for me it, when i hear it i hear it right here it's like uh, not doing anything with the gifts that you've given me um at the end of the day when i'm, when I'm just thanking him for what he's given me 
<laughs> you know, it's like, oh wow, what did I do? You know, it's it, that's what it is. What and not and not what did I do that I couldn't do? What did I do that I could do? It, it, there's a difference because I don't, you know, I, I don't, it's not like I'm feeling beat up. I'm just feeling, um, yeah. I do feel it, you know, that at the end of the day, I feel it. Yeah. If I don't, and I think these guys, somebody or, yeah. I think these guys felt it too. Like it was discouraging, you know, it was the morning and they hadn't caught anything and they, it was time to come in. Right. Yep. And he's like, Oh, just go on the other side. Well, that wouldn't have been that much different. Right. And left. Come on. And then they catch like a way ton of fish, like 153 fish. And they're not even that far from the shore, like a hundred yards. It's not very far. Um, but keep in mind that Jesus back in chapter 15 earlier, when he was with the disciples, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing? Well, they were fishing. Well, maybe this is an example of fishing and doing nothing. I and mean, we can be doing something. It's not like we do nothing. But compared to what we could be doing, probably it's pretty much nothing. And I think Jesus is showing them that apart from him, they really can't do anything if, if they're really following Jesus. And I was just thinking about this. Well, does that mean that, that we should never just do ordinary things like have ordinary work? I was wondering, did, did they make a mistake? Should they not have been fishing? Should they just have been doing like full-time ministry? Because Jesus said, go out and, you know, be missionaries basically. But I don't think that he's saying that because actually he just said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. He's actually blessing what they're doing right then and there. You know, he's not saying you have to drop your fishing stuff and come and follow me. He says, drop your nets down and you'll get a catch if you're in tune with me. And um, together, when we were looking at this story earlier with the, where was in the Bible study, we realized that this is kind of like prophetic, um, prof like life, prophetic life in Jesus in that we, we, we're in tune to the voice of God so that we know how to do our daily job, whether it's teaching or janitor or, you know, what, whatever, whatever thing you do, being a mom, um, homeschooling, or, you know, a marine biologist or whatever job you have, you know, a gardener, um, anything that you can do that with Jesus, you know, being, being like staying in him, in his name. So again, we can do nothing without Jesus, according to what he says. I don't know. And um, so I like that, that before this chapter 21, it says that, that there were so many things that were done that were written down in this book. So many things that the whole world couldn't even contain it, you know? <laughs> But these things are written down so that we can believe um, that Jesus is the Christ. Not just believe, but believe he is the Christ, meaning like the savior of the world, the anointed one from God, the son of God. So that's going further, not just a good person, but actually, you know, the son of God. And that by believing, this, having that believing, that you might have life in his name. So life in his name. I see is like two things, life 
is in like fruitfulness and you know, like all the gifts of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that, and also eternal life. So having life is like life now and having eternal life because that's what Jesus came for. And so, um, you know, maybe we can take a moment and ask God how, you know, is, is there, can we be hearing more, you know, more prophetically from him about the work that we're already doing? Because sometimes our work can be tiring, right? And I think that a lot of it's because we're just going about it the same way we always do it. But what if we started our day, even if you're a student or whatever you're doing, you just inviting the Holy Spirit to show us what he wants to see. So we were at a, a wedding this weekend and, um, you know, it was a celebration time and I'm thinking, okay, so Bob did most of the officiating and I just read a scripture during the, you know, for the wedding. And then it was all these people that we didn't know. Um, they were really nice people, but like, we didn't know anybody except the bride and the groom. So we had done some premarital counseling with them. And then afterwards there was like food and music and stories and dancing. And we're just like, you know, kind of into that. And then all of a sudden we noticed this, one of the, one of the people in it, at the, one of the guests. And I noticed that he was jump. He was like running. He was one of the, what do you call them? Groomsmen or something. Whatever you call that. Uh, well, like one of the people that stands up for the guys, the there was like four of them and like four women. So, I don't know if he was the best man, but he was one of the guys up there. You know, the groomsman. He was one of those. And um, he had, I noticed that he, to get to the stage, you had to go down these really, this is outside, these steep, uneven stairs. And he, he ran down those stairs, but on one foot, he hopped every other step down there. I'm like, oh, so I'm wondering why he did that. And then I noticed he had a limp. I thought, I wonder, it's like it was a major limp, you know? And um, so, and then Bob, he had caught, he caught Bob's attention too. And I just thought, hmm, I wonder, you know, I just felt like we were somehow supposed to connect with him. And that's, that's what I mean by like, okay, we did our job, we did our thing and it was time for us to relax and just go dance or whatever. And, but I felt like, you know, Bob got a little nudge to go speak to that guy. He was not dancing, right, Bob? He was hanging back. There's like maybe three or four people that were hanging back, not dancing. Oh yeah, go ahead. Just watch out for the cord. So this was, you know, there was the, all these words for the groom, for the bride, the groom, the guy that got married. And people were saying, oh, he's the best therapist. He's, he listens and he's such a good listener and such a good listener. Then this guy comes up to talk and he says, I just want to say something. Um, actually, this guy's I've known since we were kids and he's not a good listener. Well, not like he's bad. He's, he's not I mean, bad. it's not that he's listening. He's thinking. And he's, he's thinking when people are talking and then they think he's listening, but that's actually a really good thing. And, but I'm not saying he's not a good therapist and he just, but he said all but these things wife, that were really true. He's actually the one that's, that's listening. And, and he, was, like, he was like a prophet. I, I felt like the guy was saying some very true things. Very precise things, but blessing. He wasn't saying the guy is not a good listener. And you, have, you had to have been there. And so then I went, then I kind of went, I went kind of looking for him. I went kind of looking for him because I felt like I needed to encourage him and say, wow, you are like, you, you see things. That's crazy. Like, and so, um, and then we found out that he'd been uh, run over by a train in India. 
as he went there to work with the homeless for a while and then he got run over by a train and has lost his leg because someone pushed him into the train it was a horrible story so we ended up gracie and i ended up praying for him because he had all this pain right where his stub was and uh because it was, it was cut off right here the thigh and we ended up praying and, and just blessing the guy and it was kind of one of the highlights of our whole trip actually Thank you. Thank you, Bob. So the point of that story was to say, you know, we could we could have just been done. You know, the ceremony was done. It was time to just sit back. And I'm like, wow, we, you know, for the last couple of weeks, it's been just thinking about how this is going to go. It's outside. There's smoke, hazardous smoke, either that or it's going to be pouring snow. Which one is it going to be? And how's that going to work out? And it's like evening, like five o'clock at night. It's going to be cold and blah, blah, blah. And just getting ourselves prepared. You know, we don't know anyone. And at the end, it's like, it's natural, you know? Same with whatever you do. You can do your job and feel like I just did my job, but there's another level, I think, of whatever we're doing. And that is to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, to notice what you're seeing. Because sometimes God shows us something, like causes us to linger a little bit longer on somebody, something, some idea, some could be a, a song, anything. To linger a little bit and and then wonder and say, well, what do you is this God? Are you trying to get my attention or something? And when it keeps happening, you know, like a couple more times, you can you can pretty much be sure that God is inviting you to do something cool with Him, and He's already on it. He's already ahead of you. He just wants you to come up and partner. And I feel like this is what the disciples were doing. They were fishing, but they weren't like asking God for help, like help us catch fish, because they knew how to fish. Do we ever ask God to help us in our job? Or do we just do our job? Because we know how to do it by now. We've figured it out. Okay, in the beginning, it might've been hard. Like learning the ropes is hard, but you can just kind of get into like, you know, like a, like a routine where it's like automatic, whether you're parenting, whether you're being a, a part, you know, a spouse or friend anything you do you can just kind of get into that whether you're shopping just you know push your cart around but maybe god wants you to notice something and act on that and that's what i'm talking about because there's a small difference right and left of the boat it was a very a very small shift but yet it made all the difference and jesus was not saying stop fishing you people of no faith he was just telling him where to get the fish he was trying to get them to be more fruitful and you know and then what does he do it's so cool because then he invites them to join him he's already prepared you know food and jesus is all about fellowship around meals and just fellowshipping with each other but also going to the next level he's trying to train them to trust each other because there was different disciples that kind of had different levels oh he's the lord but then like the, the disciple that loved him knew that well first peter said it's the lord but then you know uh um john or whoever the disciple he loved was noticing other things so i think he's god wants us to you know trust each other as a community that maybe if one person's missing something another person is catching it so to speak and trust and, and if what about the disciples that came right after in the next generation, right after Jesus died and resurrected and appeared? They had to depend on the stories of all the disciples that came beforehand. And it's the same for us today. And I'm so glad that Jesus said those words 
You see, or you believe because you see. Blessed are those who believe without seeing, because that's all of us. But then again, when Jesus breaks in, we see something. We get a glimpse of the real Lord. He shows up. And when we share that with other people, other people can come, come to a deeper level of faith. But it has to be something that's, that's constant. If we're always looking for Jesus, we will find him. So let's pray about that. Jesus, I just thank you that we are not worse off than the original disciples just because we weren't there seeing everything. It seems to me it would have been easier to believe in you, but you say that we're blessed if we believe without seeing. And so thank you that we can be blessed, that it's actually not any worse, that we could even have a, an advantage because we're developing a muscle, which is our, our belief. And we're, we're taking that even further because we want to, we don't want to just have head knowledge. Oh yeah, that's Jesus. But actually doing something like getting into the water, jumping in and coming towards you and fellowshipping with you. So just show us right now, if there's something about our, our life, our job, our relationships, where, where you want to show us something that can make our lives more fruitful and make it more fruitful for other people. So here Jesus is inviting them, as I mentioned. And it says that there was already some fish and bread. But why do you suppose that Jesus invites them to bring some of the fish? He says, come and have breakfast. No, none, none of them were going to say, oh, it's, is it you, Jesus? Because they're like, okay, I, we know this is Jesus now. All the things he's doing, setting it up, this is making sense. Um, but he says, Brings, bring some of the fish in verse 10. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And they add it to the fish they, that he had in the bread. Why do you think he needed their fish or wanted their fish? Why do you think he's inviting them to bring some of the fish that they had caught? Any ideas? He was hungry. He was hungry? Yeah. Because if he was going to share that fish, that would mean that he was not going to have very much. Because there were seven, I counted seven disciples that were there, and two of them don't have names. Interesting. We don't have names for them, which I kind of like because it's kind of like opens it up to us being able to fit our names in there. So he was like inviting them into the group, be a part of it. Yeah. It was new disciples, I think, because right. So he he provided the food, but yet he's asking them to bring it. So I like what Lisa said. He would have been hungry if he had to share the fish. Any other ideas? It's like a potluck. It's like a potluck. <laughs> and it's funny because Jesus provided the potluck. But then again, they're they're giving it back and yeah. to share. And it's like to celebrate. It's like a way of, of celebrating, you know? And I mean, God does provide anyway. Like anything that we have really comes from God, doesn't it? Yes. So shouldn't we look at, at all of our blessings, whenever we have food, whatever we have, that when we're sharing it together, um, we're actually celebrating, you know? And that's why, like before our meals, it's good to bless the food and be thankful for whatever God has given us and live that life of thankfulness. I think Ivan mentioned one other thing that was kind of cool. Ivan, I think that Bible study said something like he didn't want to 
what did you say, Ivan? Oh man, you said something like, um, he didn't want to be, well, I don't know if you would use the word burden, but he, he wanted them to, you know, to have enough to bring to the table. So what, however you said it kind of moved me and I, I thought that was really cool. Like kind of partner with us. That was something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Partner with us. I like that. How about you, man? Was Emmanuel saying something? Or Mike? Or? Yeah, he wants us all to feel a part of it. Part of you it. Know, like, like, he's not just doing everything like we're contributing or being a part of. Yeah. Where we belong. And what's cool is he gave the key to that. You know, he gave it so that they could bring, they could it. bring it back in. Yeah. 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 Everybody would be there together. Yeah. They all have food and stuff. It's cool. <laughs> what do you make of the fact that he says children? If you say children to someone, what does that make you? Their parent, like their dad. So how is Jesus their dad? Ooh. How is Jesus their dad suddenly? I and the father are he one. He changes roles. He changes roles. <laughs> I think you're right, Bob. I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So he says, yeah. children, hey, you didn't get any fish, did you? Well, I'm going to provide here. Just put your nuts over there. Jesus is showing us the father. Remember how, I forget what disciple it was. He said, show us the father and we'll believe. Well, Jesus is showing them who the father is. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I think this is really cool. Anyway, I encourage you to read um, John 21 and, and just like a little bit beforehand. Actually, just read the whole book. It's cool. But invite Jesus to come and, and be there with you, just like he did with the disciples. This was after Jesus resurrected. So we're still in the after resurrection time. And he shows up. Sometimes we see him, but we don't recognize him. He shows up in many different ways. And it happens now, even though he shows up primarily through each other as we as we share what God has given us in the first place with each other. So let's pray. God, I just pray that you would you would breathe on this on this message to us, on your words, that they would have life and that that we would go beyond just believing, but that when we would step out. And, and whatever that looks like, however you show us to be fruitful. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.